Welcome to the third episode of Sports Car 365's Double Stint at Lama. I'm John DeGeese, joined by Daniel Lloyd for Wednesday's episode from Circuit de la Sarthe. How's it going, Dan? Very well, thanks, John. Yeah, we're sat here on, in the evening after having the qualifying practice session. The hyperpole places are decided, the lap times are coming down, and the anticipation's really ramping up. Absolutely, and this show will recap qualifying as well as an incident-filled opening free practice, catch up on some of the news of the day, and look ahead to tomorrow's hyperpole for the 24 hours of Le Mans. Well, Dan, we just witnessed qualifying um, practice, I guess, that's the name of the, of the official name, which saw the top eight cars locked in in each class. We saw Ferrari provisionally sweep the front row, I guess not officially, because we'll see the, we'll see the times e- equalized in, in Hyperpole, but we had Antonio Fuoco reel off a lap time of 325-213, edging out Alessandro Pierguidi in the sister Ferrari 499P, by less than two-tenths of a second. We had two Toyotas, third and fourth, two Penske Porsches, fifth and sixth, and then two Chip Ganassi Racing Cadillacs, seventh and eighth, almost pretty much in a formation um, for those teams to advance to tomorrow's Hyperpole. We obviously had a, a bunch of cars in Hypercar didn't, that didn't make the top eight. What were some of the surprises to you that st- stood out? Well, uh, I suppose the, the only major surprise in my view was the number six Porsche 963 uh, not making it through. Uh, Kevin Estra behind the wheel, we obviously so used to seeing him um, with blistering one lap form. Um, but it was close at the top there. We, we saw the lap times um, reasonably together. Um, one of the Porsches didn't make it from the factory Penske team, but two of them did. Um, we were saying during the session, John, perhaps it's just a case of them having three cars in there not all of them are going to make the cut um, when you're going up against these other manufacturers so um, I I don't think there'll be too many panic stations there Um, Estra was the one who missed out he was just on the bubble Um, but really it sort of could have been uh, any any one of those cars around the area the Cadillacs as well sort of sneaking in Um, the Porsche seemed to show some decent pace Fred Makovicki making uh, an improvement towards the end of the session in the number five car uh, to go fifth overall behind the two Ferraris and two Toyotas at the moment though it's those two LMH manufacturers leading the way in qualifying which saw the lap times really drop down we we, we improved by two seconds on the free practice one figures that we saw earlier today yeah and what about the pace of the Peugeots obviously they were quick in in the the test day Um, both of them did not make it in into hyperpole um, what, what, did that come as a bit of a surprise to you? Um, I, I mean, I'm sure Persia will be disappointed that they didn't get through to Hyperpole, um, particularly in front of the home crowd. Um, to me, it might not have been so much of a huge surprise. Um, we know that Peugeot has been focusing a lot on reliability in the early stages of the WEC season based on the issues that they had in their preliminary outings last year um, and, some, and some of the drivers and, and the team staff have said that that had sort of, sort of impacted their focus on outright performance in the car so maybe this is a reflection of that approach. Um, having said that, uh, uh, the Peugeots had, had some ground to make up so they were about two seconds off the pace if that translates into the race as well they, they're obviously going to be um, on the back foot um, even so they, they did beat a few other cars there was the Action Express race in Cadillac I think they've they've got uh, quite, a, quite a lot of time to find there considering how far behind the Ganassi cars they were and of course the two Glickenhouses and the Van Wall racing team um, back, uh, backing up the order so I, I think Persia will be disappointed and probably some, some work to be done in the coming days. While Hertz Team Joda had issues in qualifying with its Porsche 963 um, it only ended up coming on track for the final two minutes. We ended up seeing the sister car out of the LMP2 stable end up quickest with Pietro Fittipaldi in class. Um, it was 
quite an interesting uh, qualifying session there for LMP2. We had teams from WRT, IDEX Sport, Vector Sport, Cool Racing, and Racing Team Turkey all secure positions. But um, one of the big front runners that did not was United Autosport. That's right. It was a bit of a rocky session for United Autosports, actually. Felipe Albuquerque involved in a, in a bit of an altercation at the Ford Chicane with uh, Mathieu Vaxivier of Alpine. The Alpine Orica ended up in the gravel, causing one of two red flags. And, and as a result, um, United really sort of stunted their momentum a bit in that session. The number 23 car of Tom Blomqvist, um, so often giving us heroics in IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship qualifying, um, he finished ninth, so he was just... Uh, the, the highest placed of the drivers to miss out there. Um, LMP2, obviously, such a tight category. These cars are all the same, and a lot of these teams have been running them for a long time, and the gaps are just so small. Um, the, the margins are really, really tight, with Pietro Fittipaldi, for example, only beating Louis Delatraz by two thousandths of a second at the top of the times. So, Jota leading from WRT. It was a strong session from Prema. They saw both of their Oricas get through. Uh, and we also had Cool Racing make it, despite that team's other car um, having an accident at Indianapolis, which caused the second red flag of the session. So um, lots of shuffling in, in the LMP2 order to come, I think. It's such a huge field, and, and some of the uh, quote-unquote LMP2 pro entries further down the order, the likes of the Alpines and the other WRT cars. So um, plenty of storylines to, to consider going into the race. And in GTEM, we had... A pair of Ferraris end up quickest, just like it was in Hypercar, um, this time with Alessio Rivera on his final lap in the number 83 Richard Mill AF Corsa entry, beating out Davide Rigon on, the final, on his final lap as well. Um, Nicky Katzberg put in a heroic last uh, uh, closing stages lap time to get the number 33 Corvette into Hyperpole as well with the P3 run in his uh, entry after a bit of an issue in earlier in free practice. Yeah, it was an eventful day for Corvette Racing. They obviously had that accident in the practice session, uh, Nico Verone going off on his own at Tert Rouge. We still don't know what the cause of that was yet. However, we do know that there was some decent damage on the, uh, the rear of the car. Uh, Corvette Racing mechanics then went hard to work. They had to replace a few components. They also had to change the belts, as Ben Keating told Radio Le Mans. Um, that was because of the uh, extent of the G-forces of the accident. Um, so a, a pretty extensive set of work to be done there. And they were probably thanking their lucky stars that a couple of early red flags came out because uh, the race organizers were uh, pausing the, uh, the clock on the session as those red flags came out. So that sort of bought the Corvette crew about 20 minutes. Uh, and the fact that they came out with 35 minutes on the session clock means that on a normal day, maybe they would have only made it for a one lap dash at the end or even less. So um, I think uh, someone must have been smiling down on them there because Katzberg uh, had the time to get the Corvette C8R into the Hyperpulse session um, along with a bunch of other cars, but um, it was a, a strong session for them and it sort of gives them a chance to, to push on and is probably a bit of a, a boost for those mechanics there. Absolutely, and of note, we had the Garage 56 NASCAR entry um, set a very respectable 347.976 by Mike Rockefeller, um, beating out all of the GTEM entries once again. Uh, really impressive pace by this this uh, Chevrolet Camaro ZL1 NASCAR Next Gen, um, competing at 24 Hours of Le Mans for the first time as the innovative entry. Um, unfortunately, that will not move on to Hyperpole, but um, a, a really strong lap from from that group, and we're looking forward to seeing what they can do even further as, as we head into later into the week.
we'll catch up really quickly on some of the news of the day. Um, Dan mentioned the incident for um, Nico Verone there in, in free practice one. We also had uh, a, a pretty serious accident between two other cars, um, the D-Station Racing Aston Martin and the Tower Motorsport Orica. Um, what can you tell us about the, the state of those cars, Dan? Uh, not good, I'm afraid. Um, both of them are being replaced by um, replacement chassis. Um, slightly different stories going on in each of those camps. So uh, TDS Racing, which is behind the tower effort um, has, has managed to source an Orica 07 chassis on site that is at Le Mans. I would imagine that Orica has plenty of spare parts here um, for its many customers in LMP2. So they were able to get one. I think they even started the build during the session, it looked like. Um, so that's all on the go. A different situation over at TF Sport, which is uh, the operator of the D-Station Racing entry, that Aston Martin. Um, the replacement car is actually being transported from TF Sport's base um, in the south of England. So that's some someone's going to be driving maybe through the night, maybe early hours of the morning. Um, to get to Le Mans uh, and deliver that here. I understand that is a GTE spec car already, so they don't at least they don't have to do a GT3 to GTE conversion as they have done with some of their cars before. Um, but nonetheless, it's a, a, a large piece of work for both crews to undertake. They both miss qualifying, which crucially means they move to the back of the overall grid. Uh, and, and it remains to be seen when we're going to see them on track uh, on Thursday. I suppose TDS and Tower probably in the slightly better position in the fact that they had a replacement chassis on site and sort of ready to go once it's uh, sorted out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to follow those developments once we get um, the series of final practice sessions underway tomorrow. Another story on sportscar365.com today was news that Corvette Racing, at least as a full factory entity, will not continue in into the 2024 racing seasons. We pretty much knew that this was not going to be the case in LMGT3 in the World Endurance Championship because that's a pro-am enforced privateer-only class. Um, but we were still wondering what was going to happen in terms of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship program. The longtime operators, Pratt Miller, um, I had the chance to catch up with Mark Stilo, the GM Motorsports uh, director, and he confirmed that there will be no full factory L, uh, GT program with Corvette Racing as likely under that name uh, moving forward. So uh, some really interesting developments there. Obviously, Corvette's here with, the, with their GTE AM entry, taking part in the race, um, I think, for the 23rd time it is. So, um, you know, they're not coming back next year under that banner. We, we knew that already. But um, the revelation that uh, Corvette Racing full factory works effort, as Mark sort of put it, will not continue in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. There will be two GTD Pro entries um, in, the, in the series next year. He did confirm that they are in negotiations with Pratt & Miller on potentially operating them. So it could be something similar to what we've seen in the past with some other teams like Monthai or ProDrive, for instance, that you know could still be working with some heavy factory support but um, Corvette really wants to make the new G uh, Z06 GT3R into a customer car and, and make it equal for all of their customers to compete and not have the pressure of having a factory team uh, try to uh, go up against them. So um, interesting development for sure, and we're going to have to definitely track this as the, the summer unfolds. Mark uh, indicated to me that they'll, they're finalizing their customer teams right now and, and should have everything announced by the middle of the summer. So keep it tuned to Sports Car 365 for that. 
Well, that's it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow to recap final practice and, of course, the Hyperbole. In the meantime, be sure to check out SportsCar365.com for all of the latest news on the ground for, from myself, Dan Lloyd, Davey Umawa as, as well. Um, that's it for now. Until tomorrow, we'll, we'll talk to you then.